welcome back to another episode of Nose on the Wall. Is that new music? It is. I had a long plane ride back from Florida where I was visiting my family for uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, very safely, we took every COVID precaution we could, so nothing to worry about there. Uh, but it was a six-hour flight from Florida back up to the Pacific Northwest. So I played around in GarageBand and had a very good time. So uh, we are we are rolling with some new music. Um, this episode, actually before I get into that, um, I wanted to read a, another review that we got on the iTunes uh, podcast platform. Um, this is from a Tejas Pete, I believe it's pronounced. And uh, what Pete says here is, that you can listen to me talk literally all day. I don't know if you want that, Pete. Uh, but you say, soothing and simultaneously funny, which is truly the perfect combination. That is such a sweet message. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I do really appreciate that, uh, folks. Uh, leaving a rating and review on iTunes is the single most helpful thing that you as listeners can do for the growth of the show. And I would so, so very much appreciate uh, any ratings and reviews that you could leave on that platform. Today's episode is with an old friend, Caroline, another FSUer. Um, we, I could talk to Caroline for 400 years, uh, but we only had 90 minutes. So, uh, we cover quite a bit of ground in that 90 minutes and, um, you know, it was a fun conversation and, and I hope you enjoy her. So without further ado, my dear friend, Caroline. A quick word from our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is the one-stop shop for all things podcast production, from creating, editing, distributing, uh, monetizing your podcast. All of it is easily done from Anchor's comprehensive platform. Um, if you're thinking of creating a podcast, I'd highly recommend it. That's what Notes on the Wall is uh, produced and distributed by. For more information, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. Now back to the show. How are you? You know, I'm, I'm doing great. I had a day of teaching where all the students seemed to call each other and say, hey, Let's not practice and be late. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> to be fair, that is the kind of student I was at FSU. So I can relate with that. Right? No, I had the same thing. I actually told some of them because some of them got upset when I uh, kind of, you know, gave them the teacher talk. And then I just said, hey. Here's a secret. I was just like you and I was a student, but it was dumb. So don't do it. <laughs> right. They got to yeah. make their own mistakes. Got to learn That's somewhere. Thing, but yeah. It uh, doesn't matter. If people like, I would love it if people learned from doing something other than fucking up. I feel like people only learn from fucking up and that's it. I don't think there is another way. I just, I truly don't. I know like with Sarah and I and like our finances, you know, cause we, you know, I finished up at FSU pretty young. I was 20 when I graduated. FSU. You were a little baby. I was a little, little baby. And then we shipped up to uh, Cincinnati for grad school and we were like on our own financially then. And we were like, I guess bills can be paid with credit cards. Right. And even though both of our parents were like, Hey, don't rack up credit card debt. 
And we're like, okay, understood. And then we went and we did it anyway. <laughs> that is so on point for a young married couple. Like, yeah, uh, no, we're, we're just going to do it. Oh, fuck, that didn't work out. Well, right. that's fine. <laughs> so, and yeah, now now we're uh, we're living with that that mistake. And fortunately, especially in like COVID days, fortunately, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I'm fortunate enough to have a well, uh, a, you know, not to boast, a decently high paying job that's helping Hell us yeah. get through it all. But if I wasn't in that situation, we'd be fucked. fucked. I know. Isn't it crazy? Like little choices and little things that led you to that job that you probably didn't even think about saved your butt this year. Completely, completely. And um, we were sent to work from home. Like, oh, the whole company went work from home. And just so you know, I can't say the name of the company just because of like disclosure policies. But the whole Mm -hmm. company went work from home in like late march early april i personally went work from home like two weeks before then because when i was covering the cincinnati market one of our offices um and i like traveled between a bunch of offices one of them had a covid case not in our office but in a different company like two floors up so we were just like shut it down send everyone (laughs) home Code black, code black. Basically. Wow, that's good that y'all did that. I mean, I know some companies that be like, well, if people die, they die, and that's their problem. And if their bodies are too weak to be a good worker, then like, good riddance, you know. (laughs) So I know we got to kind of catch up a teeny bit when we had that like group Zoom call a little bit ago. But mm-hmm. your life has changed a l- I don't I haven't seen you in God. I think I like I came down to when I was driving down to Florida the first year of my masters, I stopped at FSU overnight. And I think so that goodness, so that would have been like December of twenty sixteen. So I don't oh think I've God. seen you in four years. That Okay, at that point, the Trump presidency was like a fresh stab wound. I don't know if we can talk about politics on this podcast, but I just had to say it because I measure things by Trump. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. Anyway, that was a really long time ago. I didn't realize it had been that long since I'd seen you. Yeah, I I think we had some like Zoom calls when we did like the the Jackbox party pack and like that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, Mm -hmm. no, you and I have not been in the same room in four years. So we have a lot. That is so weird. Yeah, we do. Oh my gosh. And I'm, I'm really. We'll, we'll get into the childhood questions in a little bit. But catch me up on, on you. So you finished at FSU. You went to Texas. Was doing the bassoon thing there. Mm -hmm. That, that's, that is my knowledge. Like, so catch me up from like 2017 to right now. Okay. three years 28 seconds go um so essentially um 2017 i graduate with my bachelor's i move back to colorado and i live with my parents for a semester while i uh audition for grad schools 
And I was like, my dream is New York City and the Big Apple. And I really wanted to right. go there because I'm five inside and don't understand how expensive rent is. So I got into Manhattan School of Music. And I was very excited until I looked up how much it was going to cost. And then I was like, sure. oh, God, my great-grandchildren are going to be paying for this bassoon degree. I can't do this. Right. So and then I started bartering with, um, with Jensen because, you know, Professor Jensen is amazing. And I was like, well, I don't know if I'll like Texas, but I know I will really like studying with her. But it's still too much money. So I started bartering with her. And then she just suddenly came through with this amazing scholarship that I still don't think I deserved to go there but I went there and it was great and the the people are are wonderful um I I did figure out like like I told you already the bassoon probably isn't for me because it kind of turned my brain into a smoothie of sadness and and more sadness And um, maybe a sprinkling of like self-loathing, but mostly sadness. So then I graduated and I didn't play bassoon for a solid couple of months. And I was like, I feel free. Now I just play it whenever I want. But um, I am in web development school. And that is nice because A, it pays. B, it makes me feel like a smart person. <laughs> and <laughs> C, I actually get to be creative, which I wasn't anticipating so yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's been good, and um, and I'm dating somebody who is really kind and loving, and and he's wonderful. So that that is my life. Good, good. You know, I can definitely relate to the the feelings you're going through as an instrumentalist because I, when we were at FSU, I realized early on like freshman year FSU that like the music path was not for me. And unfortunately, just because of how many credits I had already, cause I went into FSU with my AA already. So it was just, it was only major coursework that I was doing. Um, because I had invested that much time already, it would have spent, I would have spent more time to switch my major than to finish my major and get a master's in what I actually wanted to do. So I was faking enjoying a music degree for three years. <laughs> You're just sitting there with your saxophone like, uh-huh, I love it. Mm, yeah. Like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, it was so, yeah, it was, it was, I was living a, a lie basically, you know, cause they're like, well, what do you want to work on as a saxophonist? I'm like, I want to put this away forever. And never look at it again. Is that <laughs> is that an appropriate goal? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Did and you feel yeah. like you were cheating on the saxophone? Like pretending that you still love it, but you know, you still have uh, your side interest that you secretly like more. Um, I don't think it was so much cheating. It was more like just stringing it along. Like it was, a, it was a, it was a doomed relationship. But I was just, I was just pretending that it was fine. I'm like, maybe it'll change. It wasn't gonna change. And eventually, um, I just had to, I had, I had to be the one to put my foot down and break up with saxophone, and then, <laughs> and then sell all but one of them. And I would have, I, 
I would have sold all of my saxophones, but um, Sarah was like, but what about our future kids? Don't you want to keep one around for that? And I was like, ah, I guess that's a fair point. Um, Please tell me you kept oh. the soprano saxophone. No, that was actually the first one I sold. <laughs> yes. God, that thing is straight from hell. I, I that kept should not my... be an instrument. <laughs> I actually I really did like playing the soprano, but I kept the tenor because that was the one that I had restored. Because I mm-hmm. bought it I bought it broken on eBay for three hundred dollars. And then I went to my guy down in Florida and was like, Can you fix this and make it custom? And uh, he was like, yep. So he, he basically built me a, a custom vintage saxophone, which was really cool. So I held on to that one for that reason. But the other ones, I was like, get out of here. One I sold to an incoming FSU saxophone student. So I kind of kept it in the family, which you know made me feel a little bit better about it. Yeah, the and cycle begins again. Exactly, exactly. So, well, I am glad that you found a... a more appropriate path you you seem you seem lighter i feel lighter actually i feel physically different now that i no longer get up on a stage or sit in front of a panel of judges and say i think i made something truly beautiful (laughs) please tell me you think it's beautiful and they go no you're terrible and I'm like, I'll go cry into my pizza now. Thank you so much for your feedback. I paid right. $300 for a plane ticket to come to this audition. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, okay. Last, last classical music school anecdote, and then we'll, then we'll dive into the questions. I remember, so for context for the listeners, at the end of every semester, you have what's called your juries, which is basically your like instrument playing finals for the semester. And, um, that was spring of freshman year and I played my, I did my jury and you play it for a panel of, of uh, the music professors. So I played it for all the, you know, four or five faculty that were assigned to me and my ultimate grade. I'm not sure if you remember this one, Caroline, my ultimate grade for that semester was a B plus plus. I do remember this. And I was like, what the hell is that? so stupid that is something that could only happen in music too yeah and i heard that some other chick got an a minus minus i'm like what's the difference between those things (laughs) i don't i don't understand (laughs) it's like 0.001 percentage point because you played a tomato a little too long yeah it was the most like the the thing like any artsy school is that it's so subjective but then they have to give you objective grades for it. And you're like, I don't understand how this whole thing works. So yeah, I got to be plus plus. It's, it's so wrong. The only number I've ever felt comfortable giving out to a student was, um, I was judging the oboe region auditions last year in Texas. Mm-hmm. And there was a student who they were supposed to play three etudes and he played the first etude very poorly and he played the second etude uh, worse because he stopped halfway through and went <sighs> and just sat down. And then, and then the proctor went and said, okay, oboe is number 12. Are you ready to play your third etude? And he just goes, no. 
And she's like, what? And he's like, I'm not doing it. And the proctor is, she's just a band mom. And she's just like, Haha, well, um, okie dokie, number 13. <laughs> you see some crazy stuff at auditions. Um, so, <laughs> when, okay, she I guess really there's, we're, we're going into some more anecdotes. When I was at uh, University of Cincinnati, my assistantship was in the admissions office for the conservatory, right? So I had to work all the audition days. And we had one time, um, this guy, this guy signs up to be a doctoral harp student, which is such a stupid sentence. And it really is. So he wants to get his doctorate in harp, and um, he shows up, and I can't make this up. He shows up, and he is so high <laughs> at at. 7 30 in the morning when the audition started he was the first one for the day and he shows up in a suit and this guy is i i i i'm there i have no way of knowing this but i think he was on mushrooms and he just starts kind of like full palming like all the strings and he's just like oh this is cool and I'm like, what is going on right now? He, he was gone. He was gone. But like, he showed up to the audition at 7.30 in the morning on a Saturday and um, was just completely stoned. Imagine having amazing. your master's amazing. degree in heart and you show up high on shrooms to your doctorate audition at a very good music school. What was the reasoning? Like, what was he thinking? After after paying for flights and hotels to travel to Cincinnati for the audition, like it was basically an eight hundred dollar trip to have mushrooms in in Ohio. Like that's what he did. <laughs> there was no productivity from that trip whatsoever. Oh yeah, and like if that guy runs across any of the judges in the future. And there'll be like a panel of harp judges. I don't even know if those things exist. There's like two harpists in the world that I even know about. And it's, you know, these two harpists in the whole world. And one of them says, oh, do you know this guy? Uh, It says that he tried to go to your school. And then the other one's just like, no, he was tripping balls last time I saw him. So he's not going to come to the London Symphony Orchestra, even though he's a great player. Oh, crazy stuff. I'm glad I'm not in that world anymore. Finance is pretty clear cut and it's just dad jokes everywhere. It's so it's so much better. Oh yeah, Google. definitely. It's a lot that, of like more... it, It's just a lot of like is your refrigerator running? Ha ha ha. And you're like, "Good one, Bill." And then we go back to our calls. Like it's so it's it's a it's a much <laughs> lower stress environment. I love that. You d- you deserve a low stress environment. That pays you well. Like, you deserve that. I'm happy for you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much. So now now that we have uh, anecdoted for 20 minutes, <laughs> my, first, my first question for you. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm ready. So are you feeling reminiscent? You ready? Mm, yes, I am feeling the reminiscentness. What was your favorite smell from your childhood? My favorite smell was my mother's perfume and i'm sure that other people are probably going to say that too but this is special because 
my mom has worn the same perfume the entire time that I've been alive. And so whenever I give her a hug or Mm -hmm. I see her or when she's putting it on, if I'm next to her, it's just like instant nostalgia and it's Burberry Brit. She has tried other perfumes. They're all inferior. Only Burberry Brit for Kimberly. <laughs> you know, that's, actually, that's that's funny because one year, that's actually the first time anyone said like a perfume. So that's really interesting. Um, huh. And my dad in the same boat, he's worn the same, um, not perfume. Um, oh cologne. cologne. Thank you. Yes. Um, the same cologne his whole life. Let me rephrase. My life? mom. My mom has bought him the same cologne, at least for since they've been together. Um, wow. So my whole life, I'll say, at least my whole life. And it was this little black bottle. It's called like Dracar Noir or something like that. And it smells great. It's a fantastic cologne. I would steal it for like homecoming. And um, mm. and but that's funny because I uh, it, the second you, you said that, I was like, I totally get it. Right. So. What was the scent? Like, what did it what did it smell like? The the first thing that hits you is that it's crisp. Like, it's not it's not a sweet perfume. It's it's crisp and it has just a hint of floral and a freshness to it that is so nice. And mm-hmm. I I don't know anybody else that wears it um and the bottle the bottle is it has plaid on it and there's a different type of Burberry Brit that she tried once um and she was just like nah this is nice but it is not the true Burberry Brit so I yeah it's definitely the most uh strong scent although to be honest the very first thing that popped into my head that didn't really make much sense was ground beef. And then I thought about what am I going to say about ground beef? And then I realized I have no evidence for ground beef. My brain just said it's ground beef. That's that, that's that living in Texas that's coming through. So it's like, what's the first one that comes to mind? Burgers? <laughs> Cow meat. <laughs> I, was your family even like a big like ground beef? eating family growing up no my mom made chili like twice a year that was it (laughs) maybe lasagna i don't know i can't think of an explanation for my brain's instinctual like "Mm, ground beef (laughs) you know i told a couple people that i was having you on the podcast and uh one of them being sarah and then one of them being another uh, old friend of ours. Um, and both were like, you're going to get some interesting answers. Oh my <laughs> and I was God. like, that's, that's why I'm having her. But so far, we're like, up, y'all. <laughs> so far, you are one for one. So you got ground beef and the scent of your mom. But I think I've grown up because I didn't just spit out ground beef instinctually. That's what I would have done when we were at FSU. I just would have been like, Mm, ground beef and then right, later and then just I'm like, stared at the room. thing <laughs> and then what and then just kind of like stared at the room and watched <laughs> everyone and be like what the hell's wrong with this girl <laughs> watch the blank stares just fall over everyone's faces like a veil 
Okay, that's that. She's an interesting person, and you are an interesting person. That's why I love you. I love you too, and you are also very interesting. I could share some very interesting stories about you, but we'll we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Oh God, I've never been blackmailed live on this show. That's interesting. Uh. Mm, Well, you did have me on, and I'm very interesting. So. trying to think what stories you would have of me there was uh what was the show i remember it was like a halloween episode it was our freshman year in the dorms it was some halloween episode of some show you were watching and it scared me so bad i like (laughs) was like hiding on your shoulder like shielding my eyes because i was so i was spooked out you were curled up like a freaking cinnamon roll on my shoulder. We were watching we were watching uh the Weeping Angels episode from Doctor Who and you thought it was the scariest thing in the world. I feel like that's fair. But I also feel like that's not I feel like there's something else we were watching, some like like gossip girl or like pretty little liars or like something in that it must space. have been pretty little liars because me and it? megan yeah because me and megan it, you know it's too many syllables to say pretty little liars when you're 18 it's just too much work so me and megan would just say pole and you guys always used to make fun of us because it sounded like we were saying porn and so you would never let us off the hook for that it was mostly taylor though Oh yeah, I, was like, I don't. I don't remember that at all. It seems like something that you would be all over, though. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I w- I remember being terrified of yeah that Doctor Who. God, that's gonna be in my nightmares later. Um, and then <laughs> yeah, and then this episode of Pretty Little Liars. I they're just so spook. I don't do spooky well at all. And um, I know we're well past Halloween, but uh. I remember the the Halloween episode of The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Like, as a kid, I was hiding under my blanket. Really? Oh, no. Yeah, when the door closed, but no one was there. Whoa. Like, I was like, what? I was like, what is going on? I couldn't, I, I, I don't do scary stuff well at all. I mean, and when you're a kid, everything is scary. Um, like, um, did you see. Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Pee-wee's Big I don't think so. It's like this weird-ass guy that runs around on a bike doing something. I forget what the goal even was, but mm-hmm. I didn't sleep for three days because of this character <laughs> named Large wow. Marge. Have you heard of this? None. This is completely uh, unfamiliar to me. Oh, my God. This It combines like eight different scary things. So Pee-wee is the super innocent guy with a funny hairdo. And I think his bike gets caught on something or whatever. And he needs a a ride to the wherever he's going. And Large Marge picks him up in her semi-truck. And she's like, hey, do you need a ride? He's like, okay. So he gets into the truck and they're driving. And she goes, I was given a delivery to the Empire State Building. And then I fell off the Empire State Building. And that makes no sense in hindsight. And then she continues and she says, (laughs) and then when they pulled me out of the wreckage, 
my face looks like this. And then her actual human face becomes a claymation face where her eyes are going straight out of her head. Her hair is wiggling around like Medusa and her mouth is huge. And she has this creepy claymation tongue that wiggles around really violently. And the scary music happens. I didn't sleep for days. I still hate it. Can I, can I be honest with you? That's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I, I hate I I hate everything about what you just said. Truly, <laughs> truly, I I so I record. I have my microphone and I'm holding it up as if I'm a stand-up comedian. And I, while you were talking, I just placed it down on the pillow, and I just said because I'm recording on the couch, and um, I just was like no, I I tapped out of your story. <laughs> That's the like, power of large marge. Uh, awful. <laughs> Isn't it horrific? And they put that in a children's movie. A children's movie. I feel like that are, and this is a a semi-decent segue into a much lighter topic I'm hoping to get to here in a second, but I feel like that generation of like TV and movie executives thought they were either demented or thought we as children could handle way more than we could. And the first thing that comes to mind is like Courage the Cowardly Dog on <gasps> Cartoon Network, the freakiest yeah. shit in the world. Yeah, that is that was horrifying. That was something that freaked me out too. There was like a mummy episode and I was into archaeology and Egyptology at the time. I was like seven. Right. And yeah, that was horrifying. That was worse than looking at pictures of actual dead people from a thousand years ago. <laughs> it really was. Sure. <laughs> Or, but the the decent segue is what were your shows as a kid? What was like? What was on the Caroline cartoon TV lineup? Oh, SpongeBob! I know you've probably gotten that before. Well, I also thought you'd gotten Perfume before, but have you gotten SpongeBob before? SpongeBob's a bit of a classic, so yes. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not totally out of the loop with what is uh, average, but yeah, SpongeBob. I actually. Me and my brother, well, and my parents, because, uh, you know, we weren't just hooligan four-year-olds running around by ourselves. Uh, we watched the premiere of SpongeBob on vacation in 1999. And okay. my, we were in a, like a vacation home in Ocracoke Island, which is, I believe, off the coast of North Carolina. And we had just finished like fishing for crab. We were on a beach house which was perfect for the premiere of Spongebob. And I remember Drew and I were watching it and we thought it was awesome. And my parents were watching it and my parents thought, this is so weird that it's very entertaining for us, but it's so weird that we're also confused as to why it's a children's TV show. And I (laughs) binged it, which is probably why I turned out to be me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember I would watch my my dad loved SpongeBob also. And I remember vividly there is the episode where Squidward moves into that little squid like town and oh all of them are, like other squidwards and then he ends up like playing with the leaf blower at the end of the episode and flying away. And mm-hmm. and then SpongeBob and Patrick like get into the town to find him. And they're just going, are you Squidward? No. Are you Squidward? No. And then Patrick it pans to him talking to a fire hydrant. And he's just like, are you Squidward? 
that's, a, that's okay. Take your time. And that moment made my dad and I piss our pants laughing. I think I was like, <laughs> and we were crying. And we didn't watch the rest of the episode because we were too busy with wiping tears out of our faces. It was one of one of my fondest childhood memories is that episode of SpongeBob on that like random Saturday with my dad. That is such a good example of how great SpongeBob is because it has that blend of wholesomeness and ridiculousness. Because on one hand, he is talking to a fire hydrant. And then on the other hand, he's like, it's okay. Like, take your time. (laughs) It's just so awesome. And that's great that you and your dad could both laugh until you cried. That takes a very specific type of show to make a grown man and his elementary aged son laugh until they cry. You know, know, it's interesting because I, I think about this a lot nowadays is my my folks were uh, pretty young when I came into the picture. My dad was 21, almost 22, and then my mom was freshly 23. And so this hat when this happened, I'm you know seven eight years old. My dad's only 28, 29, about Whoa. our age, right? Ah. So I would. <laughs> I would find that those jokes funny now. Of course, he found those jokes funny then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Right? And it's it's so weird to think of it in terms in those terms. And I, I do those with Sarah all the time. I'll be like, you know, we would have if we were you know in the same boat as as my folks, we'd have a, a five year old and a this year old. And she's like, Mm-mm, nope. <laughs> don't like that not one bit (laughs) i couldn't imagine i mean i i I came into the picture and then my dad started grad school like i was born in the summer break between his undergrad and his master's at dartmouth in mathematics so he was pretty busy that really puts it into perspective like in between degrees you have a child I can mm-hmm. see that between master's and doctorate possibly happening for me, it, but I can't imagine any of our friends having no. a child between their bachelor's and master's degree. None of them are responsible enough to do that. None of us are responsible enough to raise a human being right now. <laughs> no, we're we're just getting into like we've got our 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 whole you know financial plan. I've got my my number that I'm you know reaching to at the end of it. Um, and I'm just now, we're just now because of how my career has gone thus far, um, at a point where I can project out and be like, okay, at this point we'll be good because we'll have this number and, you know, everything will be taken care of. And I, I couldn't at 21, we were so poor. We were so poor. Like we were living off of my part-time work at in the box office at the Cincinnati symphony, Sarah was working as a receptionist in a vet's office. I think we made between the two of us, like 20 grand and Oof. we're, com- and we're completely, completely on our own, including paying for school. Oh my gosh. And yeah, there's no baby fitting in there. No, absolutely not. So yeah, no, 
I think my route has turned out quite well, and I think you'll be you'll be quite happy going on the path that you did um, in terms of in terms of the dollars, <laughs> the big dollar signs. Well, you know, and I've I've gone back and forth on my thinking about about like people going into creative ventures, um, and you know, Sarah kind of disagrees with me on this, but. If you're looking to be in classical music or writing or whatever your you know artistic application is, like the broke artist with integrity, like persona, is I feel like people are proud of that position, and I don't think you necessarily should be. And I think the easiest way to counter that. And this probably makes me sound like an asshole, but the easiest way to counter that is to, while in school, also get certified minor whatever in something with that has dollars attached to it. Mm-hmm. And people yeah. are like, well, that's a, that's a fallback. I need to be completely committed. You can be completely committed. Also have a certification in something. Yeah. I mean, the whole reason, I mean, I, I do love teaching, um, especially like in the classroom setting. But the whole reason that I got my education degree was so that if playing the bassoon didn't pan out, I had something else. And I'm really glad that I did that. (laughs) I mean, not that it actually worked out because I sent out 20 applications to teach in the schools this summer and I got zero interviews but that's an entirely different personal crisis. Um, (laughs) But I completely agree with you. And as far as what you said about the um, integrity, like the struggling artist with integrity, there is something so awful about the glorification of someone who I'm just going to make up like a random person. We're just going to look at Larry, Larry Lon Janssen, who plays the violin and he struggled and struggled and struggled for 15 years and he lost all of his money and he had to eat gravel and uh, he didn't see his family for a decade because he couldn't figure out plane tickets. But then he got a job that pays $35,000 a year playing the violin and it all paid off. And for some reason, people admire those stories. Like, that's not healthy. It's not like, at and, all. You know, you know, being in the finance and investment world, the amount of times I come across someone who is in their, you know, early sixties, they're looking at retiring and they're like, Yeah, you know, I need to uh to get my retirement fund up. I'm like, Okay, well, you know, how much are we how much do you have right now? And you know, they're like twenty five thousand dollars. And I'm what? like my like, dude, medicine is at the point where you can feasibly live to a hundred. You, you can't live to hundred on twenty five grand. No, and also they're like, well, what about social security? I'm like, okay, what about if it goes away? What happens mm-hmm. if what happens if the election went a different way, and the administration's priorities were to dissolve social security? Then what? Right? How many people, how many older folks do you see working at grocery stores as baggers because they have to? That you know? is so soul crushing when I see 
older people working jobs that are completely entry level. Because when I see that, I don't think, oh, like, what did they do wrong? When I see that, I think that could be me one day, too, because we do not have a good system set up for people to retire. We're just expected no. to work until we die. Yeah, and and I, I come across that more often than I like, right? And that's mm-hmm. why, you know, for for myself and, and for Sarah, you know, my my plan is put away way more than I know I need way more. And fortunately, you know, with this track, I'll hopefully be able to continue to do that. But like basically, and this is going to sound like a crazy number and in a way it is, but like my, my number for like at 65, I have this much in my bucket is $10 million, which is a lot of money. My brain just sizzled. It sizzled listening to that number. (laughs) (laughs) Here's, well, but here's why that, here's why is that between now and by the time we retire, just with how inflation works historically, chances are everything's going to be twice as expensive, right? So that 10 million then, that 10 million then is equivalent roughly to say 5 million now. That's still a lot of money. You're right. It is a lot of money, but you never want to outlive your money. And that's the key, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if the lifetime of my retirement costs 3 million bucks, which is not atypical, right? That's, that's a pretty moderate, like living off of, you know, a hundred grand lifestyle over the course of your retirement, which by the time we're in our 60s, hopefully like we can sustain that, right? Mm-hmm. What happens if I live 20 years longer than I expect? Like you have to have that buffer built in. But the only way you can do that is if you have the funds available to start now because time, this is basically a mini financial planning lesson. Um, <laughs> your, 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 biggest, your biggest asset that you have is time because of how compounding works, right? Mm, so yeah. just I know you didn't sign up for the financial planning seminar, but this is useful <laughs> information. And especially once you finish your your web development stuff and have a job with, you know, 401k options and all that, definitely, you know, take heed, um, you know, ballpark every 10 years or so based off of compounding your money doubles. OK, so okay. that means if you put a thousand bucks away in an account right now. 10 years from now, just get based on average market returns and projecting that forward, it should be 2000 And then 10 years from there, it's going to be four, and then eight, 16, so on and so forth. We've got, let's say, 40 years before you and I are thinking about retiring. So we have four of these doubling cycles. If you don't start until you're 50, you're fucked. You only get one of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you start now, the money you put away now, four double cycles from now, is going to be worth so much more than you have access to 20 years from now and starting there, right? So it's all about time, time and financial behavior. Thanks for coming well, to my TED Talk. I didn't know any of that, so thank you for telling me. <laughs> I just learned a whole heck of a lot. <laughs> You're very welcome. It's, it is <laughs> literally my job. <laughs> so, but... Pulling in the reins ever so slightly here to talk about <laughs> to talk about childhood memories. Uh, 
growing up, was there anything, was there any like topic or anything in your house that was completely off limits? Vomit. Um, really? Vomit was not okay. Yeah, vomit. Like, no. Do go on. <laughs> this is like, like what happened if you're like my what if you're at the dinner table like my stomach hurts and like you start to do the hurt motions like what what was this a your mom thing or your dad like who led the charge on the the anti-vomit campaign me no oh, one you. could vomit <laughs> <laughs> and nobody could say the word vomit it was the v word i hated vomiting so much oh really yes because and i think it started when um my mom was home basically all the time and so whenever she left i was like my world is shattered and when i was seven i remember it so clearly i was wearing a pink and orange and white plaid dress and i was watching the crocodile hunter and uh, yeah good choice and uh my dad was in the kitchen making us dinner and my mm-hmm. brother was there and my brother drew was, was, uh, sucking on a lifesaver. Um, and he choked on it and he choked on it really bad. And so my dad gagged him and he threw up all over the floor and I had no idea what was happening cause I'd never seen someone choke before. And I didn't know that you were supposed to make someone vomit in order to stop choking. All I know is Drew is dying. Now he's throwing up. Now he's definitely dying. Dad is scared. I've never seen Dad scared. Everyone is dying. I am going to die. Steve Irwin is the only hope in my life right now. Yeah, and look what happened to him. I know, and he died. Ugh. So, yeah, basically we're all fucked at the end. Uh, and then, you know, Dad explained to me, Drew is choking, but he's fine now because sometimes when you're choking... You need to make people throw up to get the thing to come out and see he's fine now. But I like the damage was done. I was right. scarred. And do you know what I did? I what? just I just stopped eating things. I stopped eating when I was seven. And that lasted for a few months. Then I kind of came back and I was like, okay, I'll eat normally. And then the next time I threw up, which was when I was 11, I didn't eat again. And that time it was worse. I like, I ate half of what I was supposed to and I got really, really skinny. And then I started eating again. And then it all came to a conclusion. (laughs) My freshman year of high school orientation, we're all in the gym getting our high school ID cards, Rocky Mountain High School, go Lobos. Mm -hmm. And I get my ID card and then I realize I'm going to vomit and I'm going to vomit right now. And so I try to like run through my hundreds of peers to go vomit somewhere and I make it to the door and I just loudly vomit outside the gym so like i'm standing in the gym but my vomit lands outside the gym but everyone saw and the humiliation of that was so great that it just like a hard reset of my phobia and it was gone Hmm. so there you go you would have hated being my sibling oh no I threw up everywhere all the time, always. <laughs> you can ask anyone in my family. That is the defining feature 
of my childhood. I've said it on past podcast episodes, so this is nothing new to the listeners. I threw up a lot as a kid. I haven't even gotten through all the different circumstances. There was the 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 bathroom at Cheddar's. There was Pop Pop's seventieth birthday. There was um, there was yeah, it was Vi- it was Viking themed, and I ate a lot of Swedish meatballs. They were always oh, induced no. by I was I was a I was a chunky little boy, and they were always induced by overeating like by a lot. I ate a lot of Swedish meatballs, and then they all came out. And um, <laughs> were they still in the ball form, or were they digested a little? They I, I gave them like one lazy half a chew, so they were basically in ball form still. And oh, Christ. Uh, oh, and there was the the Epcot outside of the. Uh, the restaurant in the Germany section. There was um, the oh, when I ate eighteen slices of cheese on a bagel in the morning, and then threw Why? that up in the school because I couldn't decide which type of cheese I wanted. And you we had eighteen had a, different types of cheese. We had nine different types of cheeses because we had like one of those party pack trays, and I put each slice on both halves of the bagel, and then it all came up. <laughs> and what else? And the, <laughs> um, I don't know. I am surprised by this information. Uh, there was the time I drank way too much Gatorade without eating anything. The it was red. That was fun. There was. Oh, oh yeah, no, no. This was this was. If you ask my mom, like in one word, describe Justin as a kid, she'd say throw up. <laughs> we would have been horrible people to coexist with each other oh god (laughs) thankfully thankfully i got over that around you know middle school probably but when when i was like girls don't like it when you vomit that's when i uh that's when i shut that shit down (laughs) i quit vomiting for the chicks (laughs) (laughs) it's true i don't like it when i throw up swedish meatballs fully formed demented cannon onto their bellies (laughs) (laughs) you know i think i don't think bassoon was the right artistic uh route for you i think you should have been a poet i think we would be living in a very different world (laughs) had you gone that route swedish meatballs would be my magnum opus (laughs) (laughs) but with your so with your stuff like how it sounds like you had an eating disorder because of it is that am i like off the mark there no you know i totally had an eating disorder because um from what i understand about anorexia um it's not limited to one motivation because i i think it's just it says like you know Anorexia is when you do extremely restricted eating because of an illogical perception of something. And I mean, for me, I would eat a bowl of cereal for breakfast, but my mom would send me to school with a normal lunch, but I made her scrape off all the excess peanut butter. And she would send me with a normal lunch other than the peanut butter thing. I would eat exactly half And I would throw the rest away. One time, my mom said, how about you go scoop some ice cream for the family? And I gave everybody like a tablespoon of ice cream because that's what I gave myself. And my mom was like, uh, you can put a little more in there, sweetie. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah. And I was like, 
Am I going to throw up? She's like, no, you're not going to throw up if you have more than one tablespoon of ice cream. Yeah, I mean, at one point I was 98 pounds and five foot five. Um, There are very few photos of me from those few months just because I had like I had sunken eyes and it, it was it was bad. I wore a double zero pant and they were loose. Holy it was moly. bad. Yeah. I I cleared ninety five pounds and I'm not making this up in the third grade. <laughs> you were eight years old and you were ninety five pounds? Yeah, I was almost seventy going into kindergarten. <gasps> Stop. Yeah. Wait, how were you that large going into kindergarten? Because you didn't have the agency to eat 8 million Swedish meatballs and 70 pounds of cheese. I mean the fountain like the wiring was there. The ex- I didn't like I didn't execute to the level. I didn't meet my potential until Swedish meatballs, but um oh yeah, no no no. It was always you know, my my throwing up at Epcot was I was 6. That's because I ate my meal and two of my friends' meals that they didn't finish. <laughs> and then and then up chucked onto the pavement at Disney. <laughs> and that that story is especially fun because while that was happening my little brother got his head stuck in the gate trying to go look at ducks so that <laughs> oh my god wait we, we... rewind rewind so you're just vomiting on the ground in public and in the meantime yep. your brother is like ooh ducklings and he just goes over and gets his head stuck in the gate like a goddamn squirrel trap uh yeah a hundred percent. That's exactly right. Oh my god, that's incredible. Yeah, we 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 caused a little bit of a scene at that Epcot that day. Were people like staring at you? Uh, yeah, I was heaving onto the asphalt, <laughs> and there was a circle of concerned adults just watching me do it. <laughs> They're just like watching you, like not helping. Well, <laughs> there's like it has already started. He's got to get it out. Yeah, <laughs> and then my brother's screaming twenty feet away. My dad's like, "God damn it!" And then he walks over and <laughs> has to like, just like lube, up, lube up my brother's. Yeah, he's just like, because let's see, at this point, let's see, I'm six, so my dad is twenty seven, dealing with <laughs> dealing with this. Um, oh going, my god! Yeah. yeah, and to me, it makes it so much funnier when you put into context how young my parents were dealing with this these nightmare goblin children just vomiting and getting stuck in places and my <laughs> we were weird kids man my brother uh he didn't crawl he went from being a useless baby to walking and in between he just butt scooted everywhere and <laughs> l- l- let me tell you something he was fast he was fast as hell he could butt scoot so much faster than those other crawling kids could move it was crazy. <laughs> the stupid crawling losers. <laughs> yeah. You need your knees to get around. Weak. I just use Evan my just, Evan just needs his butt. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't his, I guess, you know, he had his diaper and stuff. My, my first thought was like, wouldn't his butt get really hot? Like if I scooted around on my butt for a long time. My butt would get really hot, and I'd be like, this is too much. My butt's hot. You know, I would have asked him, but I was four, so I didn't have the uh, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't have the interview skills to pull that off at the time. So, 
<laughs> she's just walking up to him like, did you eat my fruit roll up? And that's about all you can do. <laughs> yeah, no, we were de- we were more of a Gushers family than a fruit roll up family. Gushers. I don't know if you were a Gushers kid. I was both, man. My parents knew what was up. I liked sugar, and they were like, okay, you got it. Oreos, Gushers, fruit roll-up. Oh, my God. What else you got? Keep keep talking. What snacks uh, were in your pantry? Uh, sure, sherbet, uh, more Oreos, uh, Chips Ahoy, but the chewy kind, the yes, crunchy correct. kind sucks. Correct. Um, hot take. Thank you. I'm glad you agree with me. I've gotten heat from people about that. No, you're uh, absolutely right. Yeah, it is. It is ridiculous. Uh, all types of cake and cookies. I had a Valentine's Day party when I was two, and I ate so much stuff that I threw up all over the floor while my friends were there. And this was before I was, you know, sentient enough to understand vomit is scary to me for some reason. Right. Um, I was going to say that's when it started. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was because it was red, just like your Gatorade experience. Yeah, those are always kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, I had another red vomit experience like two years ago where I just, it, it was a wake up call that like I needed to treat food and, and alcohol differently because I was like, I was pushing 170, so I was overweight and I got sick for the first time in a long time and it was dark red and at first I thought, oh no, I'm dying. And then I realized, no, I just ate too much and I had three glasses of wine. So... It's time to stop. And since then, I have lost 35 pounds. Wow. So, yeah, sometimes nope. red vomit is good. Now, your biggest was that grad school. Was that all grad school weight? Because that. Oh, yeah, on that was grad that. school depression weight plus a hormonal oh, birth yeah. control that was not doing me any favors. Mm-hmm. Also, dating a chef who was also an alcoholic. That's a long list of things. I had a like, weight gain vortex being thrown at me, and I honestly didn't even register it. <laughs> and then I just changed literally all of those things, and now I'm better. It's crazy how it, like you blink and you're like, how the hell did I gain 20 pounds? I know. And you don't even notice it's happening. You just step on the scale. I was at a doctor's office. I was at my psychiatrist's office, and I stood on the scale and he was like, mm, okay, 165 pounds. And I was like, what? The, what? No, what? <laughs> I'm definitely 145 pounds. He's like, no, it's 165. Not what the number says, lady. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, my scientifically based scale says that it is 165. And you are a psychiatry patient. And you say it's 145. <laughs> Let's, let's take the scales word on this one. Exactly. It's like, I wonder who I'm going to believe in this moment. <laughs> yeah, I've always had a really interesting... No, so that's that's giving it too much credit. I've had a really shitty relationship with myself and my weight, always. Because I was huge growing up. I was a big old boy. And then that middle school growth spurt bought me some time. And I got real lean. But I was always dense, always. And it's been something that I've always, always struggled with a lot because, like, especially I remember I was looking to uh, get a couple suits for work. And um, for my 
size, like my like jacket, you know, my chest size and all the measurements for the suit, I should be 45 pounds lighter than I am. For my actual weight, I should be six sizes higher. How and how does that work? I don't know. Is it just because, like you said, it is it just because you're dense? I am dense, and granted, I have a big old butt, right? So that has a lot you to do, do with it. I'm the unpunchable very, butt. Yeah. Yep. 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 And uh, so I, I, you know, I, it is very bottom heavy, but um, that's always been something that I've struggled with because I look at the number and I have to contextualize it, but it's still a number and it sits with you real bad. And um, I mean, like I was, I cleared 200 pounds and I was wearing like medium shirts comfortably. What? Yeah. You are like, an enigma. I, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And wow. you know, Sarah's very supportive. She's like, you're just so muscular. Look at you, you handsome hunk. I'm like, I appreciate it. But that is an excellent wife right there. She's excellent truly wonderful. wife. She's very, very nice. I like her a lot. I'm going to keep her. <laughs> I, I hope you do. You're married. So <laughs> I know. I know. We, we celebrated. Not together, not married. Nine years, a couple of weeks ago, which nine is nine years. Bananas. Yeah. Well, we started dating in high school, the junior year. Wow. Well, I mean, congratulations. That's fantastic. No matter how you slice it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, she's a nice lady. I like her, and she is as support. She also like lays down the hammer of truth, and that isn't as nice to feel, but it's always coming from a good place. And it's always in the form of, do you need that ice cream? No. You want to put that back then? Yeah. Oh, oh, that still hurts a and little, then, though. And then she goes, and then she goes, can you get me a bowl of ice cream? And I go, I hate you. <gasps> oh, oh, that is just like putting the knife in and then you just twist it 90 degrees. Oh. No, but I mean, it, it, it's the intention. I tell her to yell at me when I'm eating ice cream that I shouldn't be. So if she's just listening. Doesn't change how it feels. But uh but yeah no that's so like w- w- my relationship with my weight has always been something that I've struggled with real bad. And uh continue to. So we will see how that goes. And I just like this time of year coming up on like Thanksgiving and, and holidays when I know it's gonna be a bunch of baked goods and family time and all that stuff. I'm just like I'd need to completely disassociate and just like not engage with a scale and then come yeah. new year's, just get back on it mm-hmm. and take no, it. I, I think that's a great plan. Cause I mean, you're only going to do yourself a disservice over the holidays. Cause it's not like you're not going to eat the food. Yeah. You would exactly. just eat the food and feel bad having this number floating around in your head. And I mean, also, I mean, as far as, your body goes i think that you have a wonderful body because it's yours and you live in it it's my little meat puppet and we walk from (laughs) room to room (laughs) (laughs) and it and it carries my brain from place to place (laughs) something about that sounds like 
you murdered yourself and then you re-inhabited your body as a hostage and you're making it do what you want. <laughs> like, meat puppet sounds like, you know, a news reporter getting on 7 o'clock news and being like, <clears throat> this just in on 42nd Street, we have found the Austin City Strangler. He refers to his victims as meat puppets and only <laughs> eats cheese. Back to you, Barbara. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, well, what it reminds me of. To be fair, the Austin City Strangler is on a strict keto diet, so it does make sense. But <laughs> it is it's fair. It's a little it's a little Jeffrey Dahmerish of a phrasing. I'll give you that. Uh but it's what I came to mind. It, and I and I thought it was funny. <laughs> it is that is very funny. It's funnier. I I, I call my body a meat sack. But I think meat oh. is I know meat sack is just gross. Meat really is exponential. <laughs> I know it's so gross. It makes it sound like something that already died and is just decomposing. But also, that's not not true. It it to me it just sounds like it's like a squishy muppet, which in effect it is. And... A muppet? <laughs> like with an M? Like you shove your hand in it. <laughs> I mean, this is a, a technically like a PG thirteen rated podcast, but there have been days where hands have gone in. So, with that said, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> the- so trying to we got a grasp on this in any way shape or form uh um let me see so this episode will drop uh like early mid-december all right so my question to you is the holidays are right around the corner from when this drops Mm -hmm. what what were your if you had any what were your like family holiday traditions what was Paint me the picture of, of the Caroline Holiday House. Well, you know, it's funny. There, You would think that there would be some that would be consistent throughout the years. Um, but they usually, they usually go in phases. I mean, okay. I mean, we always decorate the tree, but almost everybody does that. Um, when me and Drew were little, we would go to... Uh, it was called Woodward Governor, and basically this office structure would take their yard and parking lot and turn it into this super magical drive-through display thing where it was just a bunch of tiny Christmas displays and tiny three-foot-tall three churches and creepy animatronic elves slowly hammering things, but their limbs are very like creaky and disjointed because they've been out in the snow for 20 years. Um, is, this, is this a pleasant memory? I just need to preface the rest of the story. Like, is this something you look back on fondly? Because <laughs> you know, your, your adjectives are, are <laughs> suggesting that you didn't like the holidays or your family, for that matter. So I just oh, wanted to no. clear the air here. <laughs> okay, let me Creepy-ass elves with their creaky limbs. <laughs> okay, let me clarify. I think my retro... Uh, retrospect on the elves is coloring literally everything. Um, 
I, I love my family very much and um, <laughs> I miss them a lot. And I'm not going to get to see them for Thanksgiving, which depresses mm. me to no end. Um, and I, at the time, I loved Woodward Governor. It was like my favorite part of Christmas Eve. We'd go every Christmas Eve. As an adult, I'm like, those were some weird elves, but the tiny churches were extremely cute. Um, and then we went through a phase where my parents would put a, a pickle Christmas ornament in the tree. And then mm -hmm. on Christmas Eve, they'd be like, okay, find the pickle. And they'd hide it around the house. And my brother would always win. And I'd be like, Ur. and then recently we've gotten Vietnamese food uh, every Christmas Eve. And that's been really fun too. I think I'll have to ask Sarah. Um, I think her family um, did the pickle thing too. I swear to God, I think they did the find the pickle. Is that like a, a white christian family tradition <laughs> it's, that, it's is a that a german thing? thing i think it's german that makes sense that makes sense because yeah her family has some some german. yeah they would do the find the the pickle and it was i mean it was a bit of a rat race they would it was aggressive them trying to find it <laughs> <laughs> you know finding the pickle can get kind of dangerous because you're just like pushing over other people if you have a lot of siblings right god what was your like is do you look back and remember a present that was just like knocked it out of the park oh my god okay first christmas that we lived in our current house harry potter was hot off the press and yep. I got a plastic Nimbus 2000 and I walked Dude. down the stairs and I saw it and my brain was just like, boo, 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 boo. and I was like, this is the best day ever. So that is That's awesome. It's so joyous. Didn't do anything really, but I had so no. many dreams where I was flying over my elementary school on it. So it was worth it. Yeah. God, that reminds me. I had one of my top christmases um was we got a playstation 2 and one of the games was like this harry potter quidditch world cup and i played that thing on just endlessly and i was always i was always hungry because victor crumb was my guy and um you know i have very fond memories of pretending i was a quidditch seeker also so so you wanted to be the guy that finds it right that's the seeker yeah mm -hmm. i think you'd be a good seeker you would like distract everybody by being like look over there and then you actually get it when they're all you know looking over there here's i feel like as a as a athlete and tactician i agree with you the problem is that i've just i've had the experience of sarah asking me to find things around the house for her and i can't find things that are staying still there is no <laughs> way in hell that i could find a flying moving gold little ball um with wings yeah i i've i've lost gallons of milk in the fridge it's not good um <laughs> wait so okay i'm not kidding i did that this week mm -hmm. i lost my own milk I put I put it in the pantry. That's what I did. <laughs> no, you did. I put. Yep. I, what, hap, what happened was was I brought Sarah a nice bowl of cereal for breakfast, 
and then I put the Rice Krispies in the fridge, and I put the milk in the pantry, and I went about my day. <laughs> and at no point was your brain like, this doesn't seem quite right. My my train of thought, I was miles away mentally. I was thinking about, I don't even know what, some podcast editing I had to do and some you know, work stuff and, and all this crazy. I, I was not thinking about the milk and the cereal. It just like I was on autopilot and they were in the wrong hands and I walked away. <laughs> Fortunately, like 15 minutes later, I went and got myself a cup of coffee. And when I went to go grab the creamer, I was like, why is the Rice Krispies in the fridge? And I go, oh, shit. And then I took a peek, uh, uh, took a peek in the pantry and goes, all right, oops, <laughs> let's swap these guys out. So you found it in time. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Yes, thankfully we were uh, we were safe on that one. But okay, well that's yeah, no. good. But yeah, if, if I if God forbid I lose my keys, well there goes an hour. Like it's it's not good. <laughs> it, losing things is the worst feeling because they're always in like some really dumb place. When I find something that I lost, it's always like my keys are in the back of my bathroom cabinet and i'm like why are these here yep yep it it baffles me it's especially frustrating when you know exactly where you put it so i'll be like hey where's the charger and i'll be like it's on the floor under the recliner like underneath the legs (laughs) and she's like one why two why didn't you pick it up i go that is a great question yeah exactly to which i do not have an answer Um, (laughs) let's go uh pass yeah Mm, can i phone a friend (laughs) 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 you know it's i and i think you may be the same way i tend to lose important things like i lose i lose checkbooks i Mm. lose my wallet um i left my wallet in the dining hall at fsu the day before I was supposed to fly home. And luckily I found it, but I lose things like that. And my boyfriend, Trevor, he loses things that don't really matter, like suspenders. Like he was Luigi for Halloween and he was going to play a concert with his quintet outside and they were all dressing up. And he was like, where are my suspenders? And I was like, I don't know. He's like, I don't look like Luigi without my suspenders. And then I realized, I was like, wow, is this what it's like watching me look for something extremely important? Because it's exhausting. I'm really dumb. (laughs) Yeah. How many times I have left my wallet in the car for days unlocked. And I'm hoping Sarah doesn't listen to this episode. Because <laughs> then we're gonna have to have a conversation. But I, I yeah, just fuming right now. Just yeah. like I'll just be like, I'll just play like ah, my it it's hurting my butt, and I take out my my wallet from my back pocket. I just like put it in the center console, and I always go, I'll remember to bring that in, and then I don't, and then I also don't lock the car, and I don't know why. why. You lock your car. I think what what it is is i bring in the groceries and it takes a couple trips and the, this is always when it happens is when i do a quick run to kroger and um so i bring in the groceries and on like trip two i like don't bring the car keys out with me because they're on the counter in the kitchen 
and so I don't have a, we have like the the like the out the press the handle on the car door and it goes chick and it locks it all. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what you call that as a feature, but I just my finger goes on a thing and then it locks the car. But only if you have the keys next to it. And uh, I don't have the keys, and I go, oh, I'll just go in, and then I'll come out and lock the car. And then I don't because I forget. But then my wallet's also in the car. It's not great. Oh, Ooh. I mean, for what it's worth, I understand how that happens. Um, and if it makes you feel better, that is not the worst thing that I've heard of. Uh, my one of my brothers ex-girlfriends left her she left a sticky note on her windshield that had her goddamn social security number written on it why did she write that down on a stick why wait there's so many questions one why don't you know your social security number as an adult two why did you put it on your windshield three why'd you forget i feel if it was it was a social like i'm all about that i can cancel the credit card like if someone steals my wallet, but a social, then that's that's a whole nother. Uh, you're messing with with a whole nother group of people. Oh yeah, and it's like yeah, like you said, a why don't you know it as an adult? B why did you write it down instead of making a note in your phone or something? And C putting it and it wasn't on the windshield; it was like on her dashboard. So anybody looking at her windshield could read her social security number and it was there for days and then my brother was like i'm gonna make up a name and not this girl's real name he was like hey maddie what the fuck is that she's like it's my social security number she was runner up for miss wyoming by the way um and he was like uh okay well you really shouldn't have that there she's like why not? And he actually had to tear it up because she legitimately just didn't understand why that was bad. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I <laughs> I was opening <clears throat> some accounts for this guy at work and he was like 24, 25, I think. And uh, so we're, I was like, good on you for getting you know, on this investment account thing early. He's like, yeah, you know, you just got to, you know, uh, prepare for the future and i'm and i'm agreeing with him and i'm you know congratulating him on on thinking about this as young as he is and so we're opening it and i'm like this guy this is he's an easy win we're gonna be in and out in no time because he's a a model citizen and then i go all right what's your social and he just goes oh boy i'm like what do you mean oh boy oh that's not a good answer when you ask for a social and he's like do we need it to like move forward and i go yeah, this is an investment account tied to your person. We we need your... Yes, we do need it. And he goes, oh, shit. I'm going to have to call you back. <laughs> and I was oh like... God. Just sitting there in disbelief like, wow. So did he call you back? Was it compromised? Well, or did he just not know it? No, he just didn't know it. And he had to call his mom to ask for uh, your social. Yeah. So he went from being highly credible to like, oh, your dad's making you do this. Like, just like that. (laughs) That's how you can tell. Like, you can tell someone's parent is making them do something when they don't know all the pieces of the information. Because that shows they didn't actually know what they were doing. 
he was soaking up the compliments without any uh, without any issues though. He's like, "Yeah, I'm great and super smart and responsible." <laughs> wasn't wasn't stopping me there when I was praising him. And I have uh, eighteen girlfriends that that want to marry me, and I'm just amazing. You can have all those girlfriends if you know you're social. He's like, well, they're gone. <laughs> I think they all just broke up with me. My phone buzzed a lot. <laughs> I got to go. I'm busy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Well, I have one final question for you because I do have to let you, <clears throat> excuse me, do have to let you go. Sarah's been locked in the office while we've been recording and she just texted me. She has to pee. So I have one final question for you. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> And then, and then we'll wrap it up. <clears throat> what is something common from our childhood that kids today would not understand? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, okay, are we talking like teenagers today or actual children? Uh, yes, either. Okay, either. The, um, the generation well, think, after us, the Gen Zs right, at large. The, the Gen Zs. I think that they, I don't think they'll ever be able to go just ride around on a bicycle unsupervised alone. I don't think they'll be able to do that. And like, I'm a girl and my parents, they were like, well, if you're in the neighborhood, like go for a bike ride by yourself. But I haven't heard of any parents letting their kids just go on a bike ride alone in the neighborhood. Have you? No, I think that's a pretty good point. I feel like the general trust, (laughs) I sound so old, Jesus. I feel like the general trust level of strangers has plummeted um, since the internet became a thing that was available in many people's homes. And so I, I just, I just think that they will never enjoy the, the safe level of non-supervised activity that we had because we were still safe, but I just don't think parents now take any chances, which is good in some ways, but it also has its drawbacks. Sure. Sure. I mean, I remember like just going over to, neighbors homes and just like running around like football in the streets type of thing and and you know just going over to friends houses and then the group goes to another friend's house and no one tells you know parents number one that we're at this house now playing board games or whatever it was um yeah and then we come back and it's like oh where were you oh we went over to colin and then we went over to peter and it was great oh that sounds fun dinner time no, I think I, yeah. I, I, unfortunately, I agree with you, which is, I think, kind of sad. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think so, too. Cause... Are you being abducted by aliens right now? What does that sound? <laughs> do, 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 do. No, I live by a hospital, and so there's constantly helicopters. Then I also live by an elementary school, and so there's a lot of screaming. It's a great time. Um, but That's piggybacking off of what you were saying... Uh, yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Just like, oh, yeah, I went here, and then I went here, and then I went here, and only one of us had a Motorola flip phone, so we couldn't yeah. really communicate. And the only two times my mom 
uh, and my parents didn't let me go out by myself very much. Like, I don't want to make them sound like they were just letting me roam around by myself. But uh, my mom put her foot down one time when I was in the neighborhood and I just randomly went into this woman's house because she had a dog and the woman invited me in. Turned out to be fine. The woman was super nice and my mom went over and met her and it was cool. But when I came home, I was like, yeah, I went into some lady's house. My mom was like, oh, okay. So, so sweetie, we just don't go into people's houses because they have a dog. Okay. (laughs) Um, And then the other time was when I went to the library with my friend after school and I didn't tell her. So from her perspective, I just never came home from school, which is every parent's nightmare. Uh, I know. And as a kid, you just don't think of those things. In in fact, this was something that hit me like last year. There was, I was out, God, I hope my parents don't listen to this part because then they're going to get, I don't know what they'll feel, but it won't be good feelings. (laughs) Uh, When I was 10, I was out riding my bike and a man stopped me on the corner of Alexa and Clarendon Hills Drive and he was by himself and I was by myself and he said I lost my puppy can you help me find him and this was the one case where my extreme self-doubt and self-deprecation came in clutch because I said I lose everything I am not gonna be helpful (laughs) and I rode away (laughs) Oh my god. Probably child abductor. And it didn't hit me what that was because I remember feeling very useful. I was like, wow, an adult asks me for help. I'm so flattered, but I'm Mm -hmm. too dumb to help. Oh my god. Yeah, no, you're you're alive because you suck at finding things. So I'm alive because you and I lose our milk gallons. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) The one thing that that I think that if you tried to explain, if I tried to explain this to my sister now, I don't think she would truly understand it, is creating an iTunes playlist from the CDs that you owned. Yes. Yes. And spending hours and hours waiting for the CDs to burn and it's just, you know, going through your parents' like CD collection and you know finding your taste in music that way like i just don't with uh, with spotify and all the different streaming platforms now i just don't see like cds are completely obsolete now you see a rise in vinyl as like a you know nostalgic thing but like cds are done yeah cds are not going to be nostalgic i don't think they're too no. plasticky and they scratch really easily and become useless yeah yeah so yeah the the sundays that i would spend you know getting everything on my ipod classic so i could show off the next day be the cool kid that ran his uh earbuds through his shirt that was one of those i would let him dangle Ooh. yeah i still do that actually when i like run to the store real quick uh i'll just run you don't the have head- airpods like you have a good job. You don't have AirPods. Here's the problem. I've lost so many Bluetooth headphones. Oh. And I tracks. had a nice I had a nice pair and I left them on an airplane 
and I was like, we're doing wired. I just need something that's $10 that if they break or disappear, it's not a hundred dollar, you know, knife to the chest. Yeah. So and I, made, good, I made the conscious that you decision. You know yourself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. I love how we're both so forgetful that we have to embrace our stupidly high levels of forgetfulness in order to avoid catastrophic situations. That's my life. And it, and that's your life too. <laughs> it's our lives, man. But but we've got this. We've made it. Uh, let's see. You are younger. Than, wait, how old are you? Are we the same age? You are a couple months younger than I am. Your birthday's <gasps> okay. in June or July, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're a month or two younger than me. Okay, but we're both 25. Mm-hmm. So we've made it a quarter of a century yeah. um, forgetting things. And, you know, we'll keep trucking and then we'll get old and maybe I, I, it'll go I, backwards and we'll remember everything. Oh, I like that outlook because I was, I was about to say, let's just not talk about that because I've, I've <laughs> thought about I've thought about 70-year-old me's memory, and I, it makes me kind of sad. But I like I like your sunny disposition. <laughs> that, that's what I'm here for. I'm here for sunny disposition and, and ground beef thoughts. <laughs> well, I'm getting an updated message that she really has to pee, so I do have to let you go. <laughs> okay. But, but thank you so much for doing this. Uh, folks, send us all your memories and your your all your favorite childhood stories at notes on the wall podcast at gmail.com. You can uh, follow us, like us, whatever else us on Instagram at nose on the wall. And uh, with that, Miss Caroline, I love you. Thank you. And uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. All right. Sounds great. I love you too. Right. Thanks for having me on here and uh, send in your ground beef stories as well. I am, I am sure there will be many. And if there are, I will okay. pass them along to you. I, I need it. I need it to sleep at night. Thank you. Perfect. All right. Love you, lady. All right. I love you. Bye. Bye.